Wie geht's? Gut, danke. Ich heiße, ich heiße Bruce. Meine Frau Julie ist sehr schön und sehr nett. Genau. Genau. Anna has uh, been to Germany and learned German, and she, you don't speak much these days, do you? You speak mainly English. Anybody else here learn another language or know another language, speaks a language other than English, besides speaking in tongues? Australian, yeah, that's another language again. Julie Sampson over there, she's been clunking away in French for a while. <coughs> um, and successfully, yes. But you gotta, I've got to say to you that um, learning to speak another language surrounded by people who don't speak that language is way more challenging than being in the place where people speak the language. So if you want to learn to speak German, I would suggest to you the smartest thing you could do would be surround yourself in a German class, at the very least, or even better, go to Germany for a while. <laughs> because even in a class setting, classroom setting, it's really not easy to get the idioms and the little nuances of things that are just part of the natural language. We Australians have got lots of Australianisms that we just pop into a sentence and other people from other countries don't get it. Um, I used to think that I told reasonably funny lines in my preaching, because I'm not a really jokey kind of person, but I do like to say things that I say, or like, I think they're funny. But I realised that you guys laugh because you like me. Oh, I think so. You're probably just patronising my, my terrible storytelling at times. But I soon realised, preaching overseas, that my one-liners just... Man, they are flat as a pancake. There's just no response. The Czech people... God bless you guys if you're watching from Czech this morning. But my Czech friends, early days, I think they just sat there thinking... Even translated, it was like, nah. It just doesn't roll the way it used to roll off my tongue. So why am I saying that? Well, so I'm saying our message this morning and our theme for the year is built around the scripture that Jesus used in Matthew chapter 3, verse uh, 9, sorry, 13, verse 9. Whoever has ears, let them hear. John repeats this in Revelation chapter 3, verse 6, and he says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the Bible deals with the issue of hearing but not hearing. And it's a little bit like, uh, I was thinking about this as an extra analogy, somebody bringing the kingdom of God to us is speaking in a foreign language. Now, even though we hear the message preached in English in Australia, here in our church we speak in English, and it's spoken in English, my analogy is to try and help us to see that even though the words are familiar, the truth that's in them is a foreign language, if that makes sense. In other words, it can be a foreign... And so people can sit here who believe already and it's like that message can, can change our lives because we are able to understand it. So I understand. But other people can hear exactly the same English words and understand them from the point of view of what the words might mean, but the truth in them escapes them. The, the truth is actually... Might as well be speaking in French or German or some other strange language because the words are not doing what one would hope they do. Does that make sense? So the issue of hearing is presented by Jesus and is presented by John. As I said, the issue of not hearing is dealt with earlier in the Bible, which is why Jesus and John refer to it in the New Testament because Isaiah 
has got a lot to say about this. So we're going to pick him up in Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. A magnificent word picture by the prophet Isaiah about the glory and the majesty and the extremely over-the-top abundance of God. Just had this moment where heaven touched him and he was very, very aware of the goodness of God. Above him were a seraphim, each had six wings. The two wings, they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Next verse is very important, verse 5. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. When it touched uh, with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. This is an amazing story. I'm going to pick up a few things out of this in a moment. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and, and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Man, what a mug he was. Um, he said, Go and tell this people, Be ever hearing. Say hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing, but never perceiving, make the heart of this people calloused, make their ears dull and their eyes, and close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Wow, that's a tough scripture, isn't it? God talking to a whole nation. One of the keys to understanding this text is to see the link between hearing, hearing from God, Truly hearing from God is the link between hearing and repentance. In other words, owning who we are and coming to God will bring from him to us grace, cleansing and the opening of our ears. So what's striking in these verses is, in the Old, is his Old Testament, remember. Isaiah immediately responds to God's presence with alarm. It's like, holy moly, we're in God's presence. We this side of the cross can end up with a little bit of a flippant, almost casual attitude towards who we're dealing with. We're actually in the presence of Almighty God, the God of heaven and earth, the God who created the universe. He, he, in that sense, he's not to be messed with or taken lightly. And Isaiah's first response was, oh, I'm stuffed. I've just encountered the most incredibly holy, uh, almost wordless encounter with God and he was extremely aware of his dirtiness, his uncleanness. So he immediately just says, woe to me, I'm ruined. But that is such a moment of transformation for him because God responds to his humbling. Because from the scripture it says God gives grace to the humble. That's true. This is Isaiah is living testimony to what happened there. God gives grace. Say grace. And grace is a gift. So God's response to Isaiah's acknowledgement is to, I love this, the, the picture that's painted there with the seraphim, is to transfer holiness from the altar to Isaiah. So even though he's like you and me, full of all of his faults, 
full of all of his insecurities, full of all of his, I wish I hadn't said that, done that, been there, I uh, wish I'd done something different kind of dude. He has an encounter where he acknowledges that I'm in the presence of an awesome God and declared to him, I'm ruined. I've humbled myself and what I've got is not a bolt of lightning to fry me, is I've got this incredible love of God wrapping his arms around me to cleanse me, to renew me and to make me holy. How cool is that? He received grace. So there's the second thing in that verse, those few verses. And then God is sending Isaiah to confront the people with a brutal reality. Even though they hear, they won't hear or understand. Now, some commentaries try to slash around through this scripture, and Paul deals with some of the sentiment of what these commentaries are trying to wrestle with, what this scripture is saying along these lines. Well, how can God blame me for being bad if he's declared in Isaiah that my ears are tone deaf and I can't hear his voice? It's like my fault that I can't hear him. Don't you love the way the human mind always looks for an excuse to make us more intelligent than God? Why, we're not. We're not smarter than God. We're not better than God. We're not holier than God. We're not anything but God. The only thing we are with God is in God, and he's the one that makes us holy, not the other way around. Um, So others treated uh, as linguistically as a descriptor of the way that people have encountered God. And up to this point, the Israelites have, generally speaking, rejected him. They've tried. They've tried hard to do all the temple stuff, the sacrifices, all that gear. Nothing's, and they still don't actually end up living a life that pleases God or that honours God. So Isaiah is declaring that to them. What's interesting in this story is this. This is, remember, prior to Jesus. Isaiah is forgiven, given grace, and receives holiness from God without offering a prayer, without offering a sacrifice. He didn't have any chooks um, or dubs or sheep or cattle to offer as a sacrifice for his sins, his humility was transferred into, changed into grace. Grace took a hold of him and changed him because he was humble. What an amazing, an amazing, an amazing thing to realise. So for us, with the cross, with the blood of Jesus, with the redemption that's been paid for by his blood, on top of that, We've still got a God, our God, who hasn't changed, who when we humble ourselves before him, will pour grace into our lives. That's good news for those of us that have been Christians a long time. Because I don't know about you, but I keep making some pretty bad mistakes. I keep stuffing things up. I keep just going to bed sometimes and thinking, well, that was a bad day. Or I've been a complete goose again, or worse. I sometimes use worse worse words about myself than a goose. But it's... I'm so, just so grateful that humbling myself before God, according to this story, is going to cause his holiness to be imparted to me, cleaning me up. So the year is about us hearing. That is understanding in our life context. In every one of our contexts, I was talking to some before church, and we just were reflecting on... People's lives are so different and times have changed and times do change about what's acceptable and what's not, what people get up to and what people don't get up to, what we think should happen and shouldn't happen and generations change. But 
in amongst all of that, nothing's changed with regards to how God deals with the human heart. He deals with us with love. He deals with us through the grace that's come because of Christ. But he also deals with us with a grace that is just his sovereign, um, right's the wrong word, but his, his sovereign ability to use and he's willing to do it when we, whoever we are, humble ourselves before him. So you hear nothing else in this message this morning. Number one thing to deal with in life is pride. Like just go, God, I don't know how I got into this mess. Don't keep fighting. Don't keep giving excuses. Don't keep trying to blame somebody else. Just say, God, you got me. If I want grace to come into my life, I've just got to go, God, I've got nothing. A bit like um, Isaiah said, I'm stuffed. Well, that wasn't his exact words, but that's what he said. Woe to me. That's the old-fashioned way of saying the same thing, right? <laughs> You've all gone quiet on me. So there's no doubt that Jesus in Matthew 13, 9, uh, is using the phrase, whoever has ears, let them hear. He's deliberately pointing the hearers, his disciples, back to the words of Isaiah. He knows that part of what they have been taught and what they've studied as a nation in the writings of the prophets is that they as a nation have difficulty hearing from God and hearing God. And so Jesus' use of this phrase, whoever has ears, let them hear, he's addressing this issue and saying, making it very clear from there on in, it is possible to hear. Let me say that it, it is possible to hear. This is not an impossible task. This is not something that I get to do, but you don't. Well, the person alongside you or somebody else who's got more money or more intelligence or more influences, it's got nothing to do with any of those human issues. It's all to do with an ability to actually, and we can all do it, hear God. So um, if you have ears is another translation way of saying it. And where this idea came from is from, in my life, comparatively, a long time ago. Some of you heard me say this to you, this story. Julie and I, when we were first, before we were married and then just after we were married, were part of a Christian, uh, what would you call it, performance team. A singing group. But it was, and we sort of went around the countryside as a group of about 20 of us, young people, and did Christian musicals productions in a church service. Oh, yeah. You should have seen them. Wish we could have had videos of that. It was... Somebody's probably got it. Singing and a bit of, uh, what do you call it, Um, lines, spoken lines, narrative, whatever. And it was a story. And so, anyway, we loved them. That that was just a great time. And I, I, uh, at the time, was playing the piano at church and Julie was singing and we were just involved in music, 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 music. And sat down and began to write a Christian musical in 1980 called If You Have Ears. Okay, so that was the seed sown over 40 years ago. Not that I, and it never actually got completed, never got performed. I found it in an old book that was buried in a piano stool that we've had since we were married. Um, and God just piqued my attention. I felt like him nudging me and say, that's going to be the theme for this year. So we've resurrected the theme. And next week we're going to resurrect well, it's actually completely transformed to 2022, a brand new song, right? So I wrote a song called If If You Have Ears back then. Emily and Michael have got a hold of it and gone basically... (laughs) 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 
not quite as not quite as rough as that, but it was kind of like, yeah, no, the tune's kind of definitely 80s, Bruce. It's like, okay, well, am I? Am I not being too rough, am I, Emily? <laughs> um, anyway, let me just say, they, they have re-jigged the song. It's now a 2022 song, and I reckon you'll love it. So we're going to, uh, the team are bringing it to us next week. I think we're on charge for that, aren't we? So that's going to be fun. So we've got a song to go with it, and it's the first song I've, that I've kind of had anything to do with in church for quite a few years. I think we did one called Faith Breaks Through a few years ago, didn't we? Yeah. Just to give you an idea of where I sit, I gave Emily an instruction brief, go and listen to some Doobie Brothers, just to get a feel of the kind of songs that I... Anyway, we're not having the doobies here. Yeah. Okay. So whoever has ears, let them hear. Um, and I'm excited that that um, encounter back then in my life with God has sat dormant for 40 years. I hadn't even looked at the book for 40 years, really, and there it is, and there it's inspired um, what I hope is going to be an incredibly um, life-giving year for us all, both here and at this morning gathered and those of you listening online and both at the other two locations. I'm sure God's going to unlock some great truths that'll help us to have an abundant life in his presence, one where we recognise and experience his glory and his holiness and his abundance. I just can't wait for it. <clears throat> anyway, I digress. So, uh, where was I? Deliberately pointing the disciples back to the words. Yes, 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 Bruce, you've already said that. Um, and I think it's important to add, he didn't say that, explain that or say that statement to just anybody. He was talking to his disciples who asked him to help them understand what the parable he'd just spoken about was about. And he says to them, whoever has ears, let them hear. The gospel is not generally received by the casual observer. God nails a heart. And a, a casual observation of the gospel can be a starting point, but it's at the point a bit like trying to learn to speak another language. You've actually got to sit down and engage with someone who speaks that language and let them keep speaking to you in that language in order for you to begin to understand that language. And that's the story. That's what discipleship is. Discipleship is someone using English words, but they're talking about matters that are actually to do with the heart, the soul, the future, eternal life. Those concepts and, and the realities, but they're conceptual ideas that we really don't understand until we hang around people who keep talking about them and explaining and we get the nuance and we get to say it and we get to begin to talk. And we, there's a whole lot of copying going on, which is not wrong, providing the copying turns into a reality for the copy E from the copier. Okay, so not an engagement with not only what is said, but drawing near to who said it is implied here. Um, becoming a citizen of God's kingdom is not just about hearing information, but about hearing an invitation to come to him. Okay, so I want to finish this message in that zone. Let's, and let's just listen to another part of scripture. Further up in Isaiah, he's moved into saying some other things. As the prophet, and in chapter 55, he says this, Come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters, and, you'll and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread 
and you'll labour on what does not satisfy. Here's the words. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. Just let that sink in. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good. There's something that feeds our soul when we listen. And you will delight in the riches of fear. Give ear and come to me. It's not give ear and listen to me. Listening's happening, but the instruction is the next line that says listen that you may live. But give ear and come to me. What God doesn't want you just to listen and then go on your merry way. His, inv- his invitation is to come to him. So we have the big issue from the very start of the Bible. Um, because listening can involve information gathering, right? Just going to watch a, a quick clip here from one of the programs that I actually get a good laugh out of on TV. Let's roll that. Thanks, Gav. Okay, here. I should note I'm having some digestive distress. <laughs> so if I excuse myself abruptly, don't be alarmed. A napkin. (laughs) Turn it over. (laughs) To Sheldon, live long and prosper. Leonard Nimoy. (laughs) He came into the restaurant. Sorry, the napkin's dirty. He wiped his mouth with it. Possess the DNA of Leonard Nimoy? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I guess, but look, he signed it. Do you realize what this means? (laughs) All I need is a healthy ovum and I can grow my own Leonard Nimoy. Uh, does anybody else watch that program and get a laugh? Uh, a few people. If you don't know who that's Sheldon, Sheldon's an example of somebody who lives in the realm of information. He lives in the realm of cognition, but is completely and utterly socially uh, inept in most contexts. Penny, the girl in that scene, has gone to a lot of it trouble and she's you can see the perplexity on she's still trying to say but i got him to sign it and he's so flustered with the information because he's a scientist that he could do something with the dna the the knowledge of what he's got completely kills and completely puts off and it's the way he's portrayed as a character in this sitcom he always goes for the information not the relation and there's a lot of Christians who always go for the information wow. and not the relation. I just got to try harder. I've just got to be better. I need more information. I need to hear another sermon. I need to listen to more messages online. I ne- no, you don't. You need relation. You actually need to relate to God, not ask him for more information. Like, I reckon he withholds information because I withhold relation. If I lean up to him looking for relationship... I reckon he'll open up my ears to hear more information, not the other way around. 
It's like, make relationship with God the priority for 2022, not information from God. um, They're not mutually exclusive and they aren't always exactly that in that order. I don't think it's a little bit mm, unhelpful to make quite as black and white as that. So I want to say this. So Sheldon's a current example of that problem. Adam and Eve were the starting point of that problem. In the Garden of Eden were two trees, the tree of life, the tree of relationship. Let me say it again, the tree of relationship. That tree you could go to and have eternal life, which is what God's plan was for Adam and Eve, grace, acceptance, all those things that are attributes of God, and alongside it somewhere else in the garden, was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And Adam and Eve were tricked, kind of deceived by the serpent. But let's, let's cut to the chase. They made the choice. They chose knowledge over relationship. Yeah. They, they chose knowledge over a connection with God. And so we want information. God wants to issue an invitation. An invitation for you and me to be with him. He chooses us to be with him and nothing has changed in him since then. So how are we going to do that? What's going to look like for the rest of the year? So that's kind of the background of what the year is going to unpack like. We found a resource. The Bible Project is um, a team of people in the United States that spend a lot of time trying to um, tell the Bible stories in ways that connect with people with uh, graphics and with just clever and well-researched theologically uh, and biblically um, material for us to learn to speak the language of heaven. And it's their my words, not theirs. And so this year we're going to encourage you. This could be a, a big challenge because it's a lot of work. But we're going to attempt, as much as you want to, this is not an edict, this is an invitation, to read the Bible, the whole Bible, throughout this year of 2022, from cover to cover. We're using a Bible project, Bible reading program called One Story That Leads to Jesus. And I want to invite you to start that on February the 1st, which is Tuesday, right? Next week. It's going to mean a lot of things, but one thing it might mean is a change of routine. Because if you're a person who has a devotional time that's, let's just say, brief, no criticism, no pointing of fingers, in anything I'm saying here about what you do with your devotional life with Jesus. But to read the Bible in the year, you do need to plough through, and sometimes it will be a plough through, about five or six chapters, sometimes more, a day. Um, and I want to say to you, I did that last year with a different program. Um, it's not about getting information. In fact, some of the information in that, when you read chapters like that, is just plain like, oh man, this is repetitive. People were bad, God is good, someone got fried, someone dropped in a hole, someone's like there's just story after story of good, bad and ugly and good being God, bad being people and ugly being people. Um, And to try and read it as an informational project I don't think is the intent but again it's not a case of either or, it's both and, you can do it that way but what I'm just flagging is uh, make space in your routine to read as the program leads you to the what's on a day. Uh, one of the things I found very frustrating last year was if I missed a day, it was like, oh boy, now I've got two lots of two days. It was like, that's ten chapters or that's a lot of reading. So I was incentivized to keep going. Um, is what I'm trying to say there. So one project, uh, sorry, the Bible project, one story that leads to Jesus. 
What they've also done as a team, which um, completely is a gift to the body of Christ, is produced 52 uh, Bible study uh, programs, put them on a website so that we can actually read the Bible together and then actually do a, in our connect groups, dinner parties, whatever context, house parties at Henley Beach, we can grab any part of that resource and use it as a, a discussion starter for the connect group this year for the Houndorf crew, um, all integrated. So we're preaching about it, we're reading together, and then we've got a Bible study program that's completely in sync with it. So all of the people that are on the preaching program, as in the preachers who stand up here besides me, we're going to get together tomorrow night and just work out and make sure everyone's on the same page how that's going to work. But everybody is preaching off this material for the year. It's going to be, I'm really excited about it. Anybody else getting excited? So, I want to repeat just to finish. Underline this endeavour as the theme, let them hear. No doubt we'll be gathering information. That's what humans do. But we really want to hear the invitation and become great at presenting his invitation to others in our lives to come to him. So why don't we um, stand to our feet. Finish with this scripture, which I didn't give to you, Gaff, so don't worry about trying to find it. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Again, it's, that's a very... That's just such a deep sentence, verse. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard. Two different things. Hearing the message and it being heard are still, in this scripture, two separate things. And the only way that we can actually hear the message is to be in Christ. It's a bit like the analogy I said, hearing the message in German is way better handled by me by being in Germany. If I want to hear what the kingdom's about, I've got to get into the kingdom. And the only way I get into the kingdom is in Him. This is why we have altar calls in our church. If you've never given your life to Jesus, I've got to tell you right now, you don't know the kingdom. You might know about the kingdom. You might know that, that God's good. You might have experienced His goodness in your life. But if Jesus has not been invited into your life as a personal moment of salvation, I've got to tell you, and it can sound arrogant and I don't want it to be, but you don't know the kingdom. It's only in Him that you can hear and that faith, it's a, it's a mystery that those things can be cyclical and they are interrelated. But a starting point is coming to Jesus, hearing His name, responding to His love and doing what Isaiah essentially did. Whoa, am I. I'm a man of unclean lips or a woman of unclean lips. God help me. That seems to be, to me, what happens when we preach. When we listen to messages, there is the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to just prompt us to go, He's just waiting for that moment of humility. And then, boom, there's a moment of change. It's only pray with those.
Father, I pray today that you would sit heavily on each one of us in our church this year. Not as a burden and a weight that's unbearable, but as a presence that changes us. In a manner of speaking, Lord, your presence squeezing out everything in our life we do not need going forward. morning but I just want to say that as part of this prayer in your word Lord you say that your ways are not our ways your thoughts are not our thoughts so far and beyond and above our thoughts are your thoughts same with your ways they're out of our reach as far as striving is concerned but they are in our reach so I pray, Lord, today that every one of us will be certain of our salvation, certain of our standing in the kingdom, certain of our place as brothers and sisters in Jesus. We pray for any Lord who are in their heart of hearts right now going, you know what, I'm not quite over that line yet. I pray, Lord, today might be the day where, yep, I'm going to do that would be a great day. But maybe it's a seed sowing day for you and you've got a few more steps to take before you say yes to Jesus. I pray, Lord, that we can help any person who's in that state just to stick around and hear some more of the gospel, see some more of the goodness of God, and then come to Him. So be with us, bless us. We look forward to our dreams, our morning of dreams, and first fruit service next week, an exciting day in our church. Prepare our hearts, Lord, prepare us. Let people have dreams this week, Lord, and imaginations of things that you want us to be pursuing as families, as individuals, in our businesses, in our lives, generally speaking, and in this church. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.